Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is heading to Norfolk, Virginia for a new flyweight champion. There's a fight between Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueredo. We will be talking about that matchup as well as our two other favorite fights on the card. All as part of our Fights, Dogs, and Parlay section for UFC in Norfolk. Plus, in addition to that, we'll be talking to two of the fighters on the card. We'll be talking to both Sean Brady and Kyler Phillips as they get ready for their bouts. Plus, Edmund Shabazian stops by to talk about his upcoming bout with Derek Brunson, which recently got moved back into April. He'll talk a little bit about exactly why that happened. But of course, before we get to any of that great content, I got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by BattleClan. Visit BattleClanGear.com and make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off your whole order. That's Turtle, T-U-R-T-L-E, up, U-P, 10, 1, 0. And you're going to get 10% off your whole order. And now I personally love BattleClan gear, not just because of the way that it looks and the way that it feels, because it feels great, looks phenomenal, but I love what the company stands for. They're a company that was started by two guys who could not be more different than one another, one from California, one from Brazil, different cultures, different ideologies, different desires in life, just very different, but the beauty is is that they were brought together by the sport of MMA and doing jiu-jitsu, and that to me is just so awesome. And now, if you train, you probably know that your jiu-jitsu family or your MMA family is exactly that. It is a clan of people who you are brought together by. So I want you guys to go to battleclangear.com and rep both your clan and that concept. Make sure you use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off your whole order. Gear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Edmund Shabazian, who fights Derek Brunson at UFC in Portland on April 11th. So, Edmund, you're originally scheduled to fight at UFC 248, which is actually not that far away. What caused the fight to wind up being delayed? Yeah, you know, um, we were originally scheduled for UFC 248, but uh, something regarding his side, you know, I, I don't want to, like, say for publicly, but I'll let him announce that. But it was something regarding his side that forced the fight to be rescheduled, you know. But it's all good, you know. Uh, I'm even in crazier shape. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, so you said that it's something on his side that, that got the fight pushed back. Was there any consideration on your side to staying on the 248 card and maybe fighting somebody else? Absolutely. You know, we got, um, uh, we asked for fights to, we, we asked to see who there was and they listed a couple people. We said, yeah, to, but they didn't agree. So, uh, yeah, we definitely want to stay on the card. Interesting. And were those, just out of curiosity, were some of those names that they brought you also high up on the, the middleweight rankings list? Are we, are we talking top five, top ten guys? Yeah, definitely. Interesting, interesting. So now you said uh, you feel like you're probably going to be in even better shape come April 11th because, you know, you're going to wind up with a month extra at training camp here. Are, are there any downsides to having that much extra training camp? Did you feel like you were ready to fight in what is now just a couple weeks away? Um, knowing me, you know, I'm, I'm always ready to fight, uh, no matter what, but 
definitely with this with this changeup um, and the extra added seven weeks, you gotta you gotta play it smart. You know, you can't just go all hard, uh, finish finish hard and go crazy right now. You gotta taper it off a little bit and then pick back up. And, and how is the mental side of that too? Because I imagine you know, obviously physically you can just change what you were supposed to be doing in the gym, and your coaches are probably great at that. But how mentally are you handling that? Mentally, I'm I'm completely fine. You know, um, uh, I feel great uh, mentally. I'm always sharp. I'm always focused, and no matter what, I'll always be focused. All right, and and now obviously, you know, you, you said you wanted to stay on the the UFC 248 card. Is that mostly because you know you wanted to see, uh, you know, be on the card with the middleweight title fight? Did you want more eyes? What was the reason you wanted to stay on that card? Yeah, you know, um, I, I thought it was a pretty cool. Um, pretty cool car you know in vegas uh middleweight title on the line we're middleweight contenders so i thought that'll like play play out well you know for the night but um it is what it is you know doesn't matter portland we're still gonna light up portland absolutely and let's talk about that that fight too that is going to be the main event of that card israel adesanya fighting yoel romero and what is now the main event or was always the main event of ufc 248 who do you like in that matchup and how do you see that one going? Oh man, uh, I just got a question about that too earlier, but I, I honestly don't know who's going to win that matchup. I think it's a great matchup. Um, I, I'm going to be a fan of that fight. I think um, it could go either way, in my opinion, literally. And, and as a fan of the fight, are you still going to it? Because obviously, you know, you might have had travel accommodations and stuff already set. Do you still plan on going to those fights? Uh, as of right now, I'm not sure. all right yeah so so let's talk about another fight in the the middleweight division too because there there actually aren't a lot of middleweight fights booked right now uh one i recently just saw booked was jack hermanson is going to fight chris weidman chris weidman coming back down to middleweight what do you think about that matchup and what do you think about weidman coming back to 185 yeah you know um i think it's a good matchup you know it's it's weidman's choice you know how, how he wants to deal with his career whether it's at 205 or 185 but um I think it's a good matchup. I think Hermanson has, I imagine could could take this one because uh because of his uh, slick ground game uh, compared to Weidman's. But uh, yeah, in my opinion, I think Hermanson could take it. But Weidman, you know, props to him. You know, he's still staying in there and he's gonna keep uh, can keep going. Absolutely. And speaking of keep going, I, you know, I, I want to talk about the top of this 185 pound division because. You know, other than you being booked right now and, you know, the the two fights I just talked about, there are a lot of people on hold with injuries between Paulo Costa and Jared Cannonier and, and Calvin Gastelum. How, how do you feel like the top of this division shakes out for you being, if, if you do come out of this fight in Portland with a win? Uh, um, not Definitely not overlooking Brunson, but I think uh, a win over him puts me in a great position in the division, you know, with everything that's going on right now. Um, I think a top five guy next will be the right matchup. That makes a lot of sense. And you've said it before in the past that you think you're on a good track to becoming the youngest champion of all time. A top five fight probably gets you a a title shot if you win that one as well. Are you thinking title shot by the end of this calendar year? Hopefully, you know, hopefully. Let's let's get it. Uh, I want to be the youngest champion. So uh, whatever it takes to get there and, I'll do whatever it takes. 
All right. Well, what it takes first is a fight against Derek Brunson, and I do like to end these interviews with a quick prediction. How do you see this one going down when you do finally get to the cage, albeit a couple months later, at uh, UFC in Portland? Definitely me coming out with the win. Um, you guys got to tune in, though, on fight night to see how, how it goes down because I always come out to fight and I always come out to get a great win and perform amazingly. So uh, just expect that from me all the time. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Edmund Shabazian fights Derek Brenton at UFC in Portland on April 11th. Edmund, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is Daniel Gumby Freeman with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Sean Brady, who fights Ishmael Nardiev at UFC in Norfolk, Virginia on February 29th. So, Sean, I want to take you back to your debut. Uh, not only did you go out there and pick up a huge win, but you did so by shutting out an Ultimate Fighter winner in Court McGee. You know, a lot of people talk about Octagon Jitters in their debut. It didn't appear like you had any. How how did you feel going into that fight? Um, there 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 was a little bit at uh, at some points, but I felt really good going in. Um, I, I was ten to zero when I got signed, so I had plenty of ex- of experience. You know, only thing. Like, kind of like the octagon jitters, I'd say I would have, or maybe not even octagon jitters, more of like Court being the fighter he is and the pressure he has. So, in the third round, I got like a little, a little tired, and it's, you don't get tired because you're not in shape. You get, it's the nerves that kind of come in. You know, Court's been there a million times, so I feel like he was just a little bit more comfortable than I am. Third round, his pace was still kind of how he started, and I got like a little bit tired, but that was probably the only, only octagon jitters I can think of, but yeah, you're always going to get nervous before a fight. But I, I mean, I didn't get more nervous for for my UFC fight than I did for any of my other fights. So yeah, I felt good going in, and um, I feel like I handled myself really well. So I'm excited to get back in there and um, get another win. Now, now you mentioned in there too that you know Court McGee is obviously a guy who's had a ton of UFC fights, ton of UFC yeah, experience. Yeah. Now, now, what do you think that says that the UFC, you know, it wasn't even a short notice replacement. What do you think that says that the UFC thinks that you were ready for that in your debut? Yeah, I think they, I think they wanted to see what I was about. You know, I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of talk about me getting signed and that I was good and that I deserved to be there. So they're like, all right, let's uh, let's test this kid, you know. Let's see what um, let's see what he's about, you know. They were there's no easy fights in the UFC, no matter who it is. But Court's definitely not an easy fight. I mean, he's only been finished one time in his career, you know. So I think they wanted to um, see if I was going to sink or if I was going to float, and uh, I was swimming. So I'm I'm ready to get in there and get another another win against another tough opponent and uh, and my next guy I'm fighting. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and let's talk about that fight, too, because Ishmael Nardiev, uh, the guy started his life as a wrestler. You know, he's an Austrian guy with a wrestling background, but he's obviously got flashy striking as well. What are you sort of expecting in a fight with him? Um, Yeah, he's uh, he's super he's super flashy on his feet. He's uh, he's explosive. Man, he's good. He's a uh, he's a really good young fighter. Um, I'm expecting a, I'm expecting a tough fight, but. A lot of people, my last fight, I showed a lot of my striking, and um, I got to use my hands and and show my boxing really well in my last fight. And my, uh, it's funny, my right hand was actually um, pretty jacked up my last fight. I couldn't throw any punches with my right hand for the last four or five weeks of my training camp because I thought I, I thought I like hurt something in my hand really bad. It turns out it was just some um, 
like torn ligaments and just stupid stuff that kind of had a heel on its own. So I only had essentially one hand in my last fight. Now I'm going into this fight fully healthy and I'm looking to show, I'm looking to show my striking, but I'm looking to show my grappling as well. You know, that's really what's got me to the dance is how good my grappling is. And um, I know he was a, he's a, he's a wrestler and I'm sure he's got good jujitsu, but I'm a high level jujitsu black belt. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show all aspects of my game. I, I don't have just one set game plan going into a fight, you know, but um, I just think I'm going to dominate everywhere we go. So I want to talk about that hand real quick before we talk about your jiu-jitsu because you mentioned that you thought your hand was broken and wound up being torn ligaments. Did that need surgery in order to correct it or, or what? Uh... No, no, it actually, no. So this was my thumb like two years ago um, in, in one of my fights and – from that healing up, it kind of just healed a little weird. So some of the ligaments were causing me some pain from that. But, um, yeah, I went and got my hand checked out afterwards, and it turns out it was just, like, just some ligaments jammed up and, like, some partially torn ligaments, which you can't do anything about. You know, you got to let it heal up. So I went and got checked out right after the fight. And, um, yeah, just I was able – I had some time, you know, so I didn't hit as much pads or do certain things I could let my – my hand and my wrist heal up and um, it's, it's completely fine now, you know? So I'm looking forward to having uh, both of my hands to be able to punch with. It's going to be nice. Yeah. We're looking forward to that as well. Now you did mention your jujitsu in that previous answer. You know, you are a black belt under Daniel Gracie, a Henzo Gracie Philly. I I noticed in your, on your Instagram, you still train quite a bit in the gi. How often do you do that? And is that a huge part of your MMA game? Yeah, I um, so I trained in the gi. I think I was training in the gi up until like last week was uh the first week I stopped doing gi. So I mean, I train I train gi all year round, and then once I'm in camp, I do. If I'm doing an eight week camp, I'll train in the gi like at least four or five of those weeks. You know, I think I've I've heard like some jujitsu guys or MMA guys say it doesn't help, but I mean, if you look at like Damian Maya and Jacqueline, these guys are all training the gi, and I think it really does help because when you have a gi on and your and your partner has a gi on, there's a lot of friction, you know. So if you can get through, make your chokes, and get out of positions and do certain things in the gi, once you have that gi off, it's gonna it's gonna work out a lot better for you, you know. So I like training in the gi. Um, yeah, it's I think it, I think it's a big a big help. I obviously I'm. Two to three weeks out, I stopped doing it just so I get that get the no gi feel. But my my game is essentially no gi in a gi when I'm training in the gi, if that makes sense. But I just think that once yeah, once you take the gi off after training in it, your your game becomes a lot more free and you're able to move around and submissions come easier and uh, passes come easier and I just think it's a big help. Interesting, and you said in there too that you feel like you can escape attacks more often too because you know you said you get out of rear naked chokes easier when you don't have something to grab onto yeah well once like for me like when i'm i feel like when i'm attacking if i'm attacking like a a rear naked choke in the gi and you have a gi on and i have a gi on i have my sleeves getting in the way and then your collar is getting in the way but then when i'm in no gi or we're doing mma practice with mma gloves my chokes can slip in a lot easier than they would if i was in the gi so I have to work a lot harder than the gi, but once I take the gi off and we're doing MMA or no gi, it just becomes a lot easier. So I, I just feel like it. Uh, I feel like it helps. Interesting, and that that obviously is going to come into play against Nardiev too, who's who's a guy who likes to to tussle on the ground here. 
Now, I wanted to ask you one more question about this fight with Nardi. If the, the bookmakers have you right now as an underdog, and, and to me, I, I think it's been a really long time since you've been an underdog. What are your thoughts on going on to a fight, into a fight where people think you're the, the most likely one to lose? Um, yeah, I, I really don't pay attention to that stuff. I didn't know I was an underdog. I think that, uh, I think that's, I think it's cool. You know, I, I, um, I'm excited, man. It's a tough fight. Isn't he's super good. He's got a great record, but, um, if you know me or if you train with me, you know how good I am. These, um, these matchmakers don't know me. They don't know how hard I train and, and what I put into these training camps and what I do to people while I'm training. So only I know that and my team knows that. So, you can have me as an underdog against anybody, but I guarantee it's not going to play out like that. Well, and how do you see it playing out? I'm going to ask you for the official prediction here. When you get to into the cage on February 29th, how do you see it going down? Um, I feel like my pressure is just going to is going to be too much for him. I'm going to put a lot of pressure on him and and try to break him. You know, that's that's my plan. It, like I, I always say in interviews, I don't care if it's a knockout, a submission or if I have to grind them out for 15 minutes. The only thing that matters to me is, is a win, you know, and I know I'm going to win on February 29th. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Sean Brady fights Ishmael Nardiev at UFC in Norfolk, Virginia on February 29th. Sean, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Of course, man. I appreciate the interview. This is Daniel Gumby Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Kyler Phillips, who fights Gabriel Silva at UFC in Norfolk, Virginia on February 29th. So, Kyler, uh, you know, you, you started off on the Contender Series. You had a great performance, but didn't get the contract. Then you're on the Ultimate Fighter, didn't get a fight after that. And you had to fight the guy who eventually won it. Was it hard to stay motivated to get to the UFC at that point? Uh, I guess I would say for some people, but for me, I actually built up the hunger inside that uh, has, you know, helped shape who I am today, and I'm, I'm really thankful that I've gone through that process, and I uh, wouldn't want it any other way. And, and you so I'm excited. And, yeah, what's up? You wouldn't want it any other way? You you wouldn't have wanted to just get right to the UFC after the Contender Series? No, nah, man, I learned a lot of things throughout the ways and stuff, and, uh, you know, Going through that waiting process, this game is a game of a lot of patience too. And you know, being young, a young kid, you wanna you wanna go through everything really fast. And learning that that patience is is really important. But now I'm learning to just take my time on things and you know, pick my my strategies together, whether that's in life or in the game, and and really you know, uh, testing the waters of you know, do I really want to do this? Like do a lot of wait this whole time. And you still want to be in check. You still want to do this with your life, you know, with the same exact goals that you've had for so long. And it gets kind of cut out, but you still got to trust that it's all going to work out. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm just super excited. And it's working out. Absolutely. I can imagine that. What, what was it like to get the call when you found out, and it wasn't the Contender Series or it wasn't another Ultimate Fighter situation, that you were stepping in to fight in the UFC? I already knew it was coming. Whether it was going to be in a month or in two years, I knew it was coming. As long as I'm working on that track, I was doing my part, what I had to do. So, you know, I'm expecting, I was expecting anything to happen. And uh, when I got the call, yeah, I'm ready. Well, that's good. Now, now obviously, you were, you had a fight previously booked. You were supposed to fight Ray Borg. You got hurt. You spent nearly a year on the shelf. What were the extent of those injuries, and how are they healing up as you get ready for this fight? 
Uh, it's all good, man. I'm all, I'm all good, ready to fight. And, uh, yeah, just things happen, and you just got to stay smart about it and, you know, really stay focused the whole time, no matter what. And, yeah, I'm ready. Absolutely. And now, now you saw that afterwards your current opponent, Gabriel Silva, was the one who wound up fighting Ray Borg instead. Did you watch it? And if so, what did you think of the fight? Yeah, man, he's a game opponent. He has, uh, he has a good grappling game, a good uh, shit-to, good striking, nice Muay Thai, heavy stance. But, uh, yeah, I watched that fight, and he did a good job. He, you know, in, in his first fight at the UFC, first round he came out, I thought he won the first. And then the second and third, he kind of faded a little. But he got the experience that he needed. And, uh, yeah, man, it's good to fight somebody that that's ready for a, a banger or ready to, to stay technical, ready to go all three rounds. Uh, yeah, man, that's keeps me on my toes. And, and you mentioned in there, too, that he's got really good jujitsu. I've noticed on your Instagram you're, you're doing a, a quite a bit of training, obviously, in jujitsu, but also still in a gi. Is, is that something that you do a lot of leading up to a fight? Yeah, I, I just explore every different uh, area. I do a lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of wrestling, switch up the styles. You know, that put, that's what makes my matrix style. So, uh, for me, it's really crucial to stay balanced and to keep an open mindset of of training different areas, whether that's like point sparring, you know, uh, whether that's hard style boxing, kickboxing, whether that's sports jiu-jitsu, whether that's more wrestling, grappling, or staying strict to the program of the MMA at the lab. But, uh, yeah, just, just having fun with it is going to keep you keep your game really uh, playful, you know. And how does that work out with your coaches, too? Because I know, obviously, some coaches are really, you know, hard fast about what you're doing as you're heading into a training camp. How do your coaches handle you wanting to explore all those different avenues? Uh, I'd say, I, I, for me, like I just said, the whole balance thing, uh, I like to have a good balance between creativity and having fun, but also being focused and winning, because winning is super important. you gotta be, you just got to win everything. And at the same time, you got to go around. So keeping your body, you know, we can do it. You can do all different things, you know. If uh, you face an opponent that's just like you but better at what, you do he's going to beat you in that area so you got to be able to uh change on the dime when you're fighting especially if things are not working out for you and uh that's what uh you what helps the major come well and i feel like it's almost counterproductive to ask you this question now because you know you said anything can happen and you like to be able to change at all times but when, when you see yourself in this fight with gabriel silva on february 29th how do you see the fight ending uh, I see, I've seen a lot of different ways, man. Uh, I definitely see myself finishing it. But I also see myself going the distance and, and fight to the end, you know. And uh, I know he's a tough kid, and I'm ready for a basic matchup. I'm also ready for a war. I'm ready for a fun time. And I'm going to go out there and shine as soon as I step in that cage, man. And, and out of curiosity, too, because obviously your, your mentality of being able to handle whatever comes your way has been huge for you. Do you do any mind mindset training, or, or is there anything that you do in particular to get ready or to get into this mindset as you head into a fight? Yeah, so it's just like before, I like to kind of train my mind to be versatile and to trust myself in different situations. And uh, just throughout every day, you know, everything that's been going on, I have fun a while. Plus, when I'm training, I, I try to keep my focus on a specific thing. 
and also be able to kind of flow around. And, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but basically just staying focused and also having fun at the same time and, and just loving what I do, man. I really love what I do, and there's just nothing else I'd rather be doing. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you do it. Once again, this was Kyler Phillips, who fights Gabriel Silva at UFC in Norfolk, Virginia, on February 29th. Kyler, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Let's go. Hell yeah. Awesome, brother. Thanks, man. Quick editor's note here before we head back to the bulk of the show. Kyler Phillips did just want to give a real quick shout-out to his coaches. So, going to give him the mic one more time right here. Grandmaster Hanchi Nico, he's like on a completely different level. You know what I'm saying? John Crouch, these guys have been helping me out and uh, Two Knuckle Sports. I've been working with Hanchi and at the lab and uh, Ares Physical Therapy, Al Escobar. He's been, you know, working on me and stuff and he's just really, really so good at what he does. And uh, I really appreciate him from over there. In those interviews with Sean Brady, Kyler Phillips and Edmund Shabazian are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. It does not matter what martial art you train because Maroon Social has got you covered with over 35 martial arts. So whether you do judo, jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing, maybe you do sambo, it doesn't matter. They're the best place to log your training sessions, keep notes, and tag your friends when you do a training session. So make sure you check them out wherever you download apps. Now, once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And Dave, I want to ask you, how legit do you feel Shabazian's chance to become the youngest champ ever is? You know, with 17 months to go, and I'm pretty big on Shabazian, I, I kind of like the odds, to be quite honest with you. Is, is it an impossible thing? It's near impossible. I mean, this is a very tough record to break, Jones being 23 when, when he became the youngest champion, but... I haven't really seen anyone else come along with this much of a pedigree that has as good a chance to do it. Yeah, and, and, and the pedigree part is important too here, right? Because he's been training with like high-level Judica from the time he was like nine. You know, like he's been around the likes of, you know, Manny Gambarian. He, I mean, he was the person who Ronda Rousey did her open workout with before her first UFC bout. So like he's been around high-level people. And I think that, that judo background is important too because like, if you're trying to think of somebody who can be Israel Adesanya right now, you would probably want somebody who can actually take him down and hold him down. And, and judo is one of those backgrounds that could just be a weakness for Israel Adesanya. We, we certainly don't know yet, but it could be one of those weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly... Contact me again in a week, bro, on our next episode. Let's see if he gets through Brunson, because that's obviously the biggest test to date. And if he gets through Brunson, who's clearly going to be more of a strike-first, striker-first fighter, uh, I'm I'm starting to really like the chances that he could be a champion. But that all being said, I really like our chances in our next segment. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays, for UC Norfolk. Uh, Gumby, before we bring the fans this edition of Fights, Dogs, Parlays, would you tell them who sponsors it? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UFC in Norfolk, Virginia is brought to you by Battle Clan Gear. Go to battleclangear.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10, that's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0, for 10% off your whole order there. Tell them Gumby and Dave sent you, and check out some awesome grappling gear while you're there. 
All right. So this is a bit of an underwhelming card. It's headlined by the flyweight title fight for the not vacant, but for <laughs> Henry Cejudo's title, which he will vacate the minute this fight is over. And it's between Joseph Benavidez, a minus 135 favorite, taking on Deviasen Figueredo, uh, who, let's face it, at a plus 110 dog, only a slight dog. It's a tight fight. Benavidez, a stalwart of the flyweight division. He's had about 3,000 championship title fight uh, opportunities, and now they're really setting things up for him as he could become the flyweight champion with Cejudo dropping the belt. What a mess of a title picture. What do you make of this main event? I think this main event is far more one-sided than I think people realize because, to be honest with you, Davidson Figueiredo is a plus 110 underdog, depending on what book you're looking at, whereas Benavidez is negative. I've seen him anywhere in the negative 130s to 150s, and I actually think it's far more blown out than that because if you look at Figueiredo's history, he had trouble with guys who can take him down, right? Like, he, he had trouble with Juicy A. Formiga, who is a guy who is a, a decent wrestler. He's a guy who can impose his will a little bit, and he's a guy who Joseph Benavidez had no problem with whatsoever. Um, so, you know, like, MMA math doesn't apply perfect in all these situations, but you can also go back to people like, you know, like, when Davidson Figueredo fought Jared Brooks, who is a, a good wrestler too, and now is no longer with the UFC, he only won by split decision, and that's because Brooks hit a ton of takedowns. And, you know, like, Joseph Benavidez looks good on the feet. It would probably be a fun fight on the feet, but the bottom line is if Benavidez decides to take this to the floor, it is a one-sided five-round decision for the, the guy who who throws lighter punches too, right? Like Figueredo throws bombs all, the whole time. He's more likely to be tired at the end. Uh, I'm saying Benavidez here, 50-45 across cards. If you can find Benavidez, uh, you know, goes the distance at even money or better, I would definitely take that. Yeah, I that's kind of what I'm feeling on this. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the flyweight division. I'm underwhelmed by the fight but I don't really have much to add to what you just broke down because that's kind of the way I see it going as well. So let's move on to the next fight, which if the odds were slight uh, <laughs> between the two fighters in the fight we just spoke about, that's the exact opposite for this fight. Felicia Spencer is a minus 770 favorite, and Zara Fairn is a plus 535 dog. I dare you to tell UFC fans something about Zara and how she could – anyway win this fight i mean the bottom line is the way that she can actually win this fight if she was uh you know best case scenario for her. you you want to paint a pretty picture and you want uh zara farine dos santos to win this fight she can win it on the feet right like i am not overly impressed by felicia spencer's boxing i've never been impressed by her boxing but Zara Farine, you know, she's, she's got a kickboxing background she's got a really long frame which felicia spencer doesn't the big difference here is what's going to happen when this inevitably hits the ground. Because that's what's going to happen. Felicia Spencer is an absolute killer on the ground. She went into her UFC debut against Megan Anderson, somebody who's fighting earlier on the card, and absolutely positively outclassed her on the ground. She's also outclassed people like Pam Sorensen on the ground, who, who is a decent grappler in her own right. The big difference is, too, is Zarin or uh, Zara Farron, has been out grappled by Megan Anderson. So again, I don't like to use MMA math all the time, like I just did in the first fight, and I'm about to do in the second fight. But if Felicia Spencer absolutely dominates Megan Anderson on the ground, then Megan Anderson dominates Zara Farron on the ground. 
Like, what hope does Farron have if this ever hits the mat? And that's why the odds are negative 770. I would never put money down on somebody at negative 770. The return is just not there, and I don't play volume enough to, to for that to matter. But this is as close to a, a good play at negative 770 as I've ever seen. All right, not going to argue with you on that. Magomed Ankyalov, a minus 265 favorite to Ian Kutaleva, a plus 235 dog. It felt there was a while there where Ian Kutaleva really could have kind of made some, some you know, progress in his ascent up the division, but that just hasn't happened, and it doesn't feel like this is going to be the fight that gets him back over the hump. What do you make of it? I 100% agree with just about everything you said right there, too, because, like, to me... You're right. It did seem for a while like Ian Kudalaba was going to be the guy who was uh, an underrated light heavyweight and sort of rose up the rankings. But then you see things like, you know, like, you know, with the exception of his loss to Misha Serkinov, which was in a debut and on short notice, you've seen some things that just look really bad. You know, like, don't get me wrong. He did go out there and TKO uh, Gadamurazada Tigalov. But at the same time, he gave up three takedowns. Uh, and he gave up three takedowns to him. He got absolutely outclassed by Glover Teixeira on the ground. He's about to fight a Russian who does a great job at, at takedowns and a great job holding people against the cage. The only reason Magomed Ankiyev isn't an undefeated light heavyweight is because he was subbed by Paul Craig with one second left in a fight. So, like, knowing that, knowing that he's a guy who goes in there and controls the fight, and knowing that that's pretty much the only way Ian Kudalaba wins, in my opinion, is if he's able to... Uh, take somebody down, hold him there, and, and impose his, his will, his elbows, his ground and pound. You know, like, I don't see him doing that to Ankyalev, and I think Ankyalev is an easy play here. I love it, bro. I love it. And I love our dog of the week. It's Sean Brady, plus 110, over Ismail Nardiev. Yeah, I like Sean Brady here. Friend of the show, Sean Brady here, over Ismail Nardiev. If you look at Ismail Nardiev's only UFC loss... It's against Chance Reencounter, who is a guy who just is a big physical body and didn't let Ismail Nardiev get his will, you know, impose his will in the wrestling game. Because Ismail Nardiev, despite his flashy striking, is a guy who relies on his wrestling and comes from a wrestling background. So knowing that Sean Brady is such a strong force at 170 pounds, knowing what he did in a UFC debut against a huge veteran in Court McGee, you know, I, I love Sean Brady's ability here to probably stuff all of Ishmael Nardia's attempts and in addition to that like attempting takedowns and spinning shit are the number two one and two things that tire you out here Sean Brady's got a great gas tank and he is going to gas out Ishmael Nardiev plus 110 not a huge underdog but there aren't a lot of huge underdogs on this card that I really like well, I'll tell you what I really like, and it's our parlay to play. Uh, Alon Cruz, minus 175, pair together with Benavidez at minus 135, and you get some nice odds at plus 170. We're pretty good at what we do. Our parlays, for the most part, usually hit. We're not going to be perfect, obviously, but what do we like about this parlay this week? So, obviously, I mentioned all the reasons I like Joseph Benavides. I think if he turns this into a grimy, wrestle-heavy fight, he wins this fairly easily. And, and I like Alon Cruz for exactly the opposite reason. If you watched Alon Cruz on the Contender Series, he's a guy who is very long for his division, for, for his weight class. For being an 145-pounder and 6 feet tall, he's long and he fights long. Uh, lots of kicks, lots of teeps, things like that. He won by flying knee knockout when people rush in 
And to me, that's a perfect recipe for disaster against a guy like Spike Carlisle, who is an extremely short featherweight and is a guy who loves to grapple and rushes in sort of recklessly just to get that takedown. So I think a long cruise punishes him for doing that. And at negative 175, he's a great kind of number to stick in a parlay, along with somebody like Benavidez, who you're confident in, and get a big return. All right. So I hope we got you a big return this week. Uh, we're pretty good at what we do, but feel free to throw some hate on our Twitter feed at Top Turtle MMA if we absolutely fucked up your bets this week. But if we led you down the right path, then please show us some love, give us a thanks. It really does make our day, and we do appreciate our fans, the downloads, and the interaction. At Top Turtle MMA is the place to be on Twitter this weekend. As the fights are going down, we'll be tweeting about it. Gumby, that's about all I have to say. Why don't you wrap things up, uh, wrap things up for us, though? <laughs> and that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social and Battle Clan Gear. They help us keep the lights on in Top Turtle Studio. Plus, we want to thank Flow Combat for having us on and being our mothership. We obviously need a place to get to your fans' ears. So, they're the perfect avenue for us to be doing that we also want to remind you speaking of avenues to check out our twitter account at top turtle mma we've got some cool giveaways some from our sponsors that you're going to want to check out in the very near future especially for the upcoming ufc 248 until then i'm daniel gumby greenland he's shockwave dave tremonte and we will see you next week